Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Satan is out to destroy your life every single day. Doesn't matter how high you are on the ladder, it never ends. Now, I'm not fearful, but I have to expect it. He's out to kill and to steal and destroy. And one of his greatest ways that he does that, it's a D word that he carries in his armor of tools. It's called discouragement. Satan is always at work. In fact, as long as we're on this earth, spiritual warfare will be a constant reality. There seems to be no end to his devices in trying to cause Christians to fail. In today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us of one of his greatest tools that he has in his arsenal, discouragement. Satan loves to use discouragement to try to defeat Christians. Are you aware of his devices? Are you guarding your heart against his schemes? Believer, arm yourself with the Word of God and defeat the enemy by reminding yourself of who you are in Christ and what He's done for you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of this message from Pastor Mark. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, The Demands and Benefits of Discipleship. Look at verse 18. Circle the first three words. You must understand this. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. So how broad is this battle going to be? How broad is it going to be? Well, it's going to come from religion. It's going to come from governments. It's going to be in a moment, you're going to see it, even families. It's going to be even from inside the church. Now, do you mean that could happen today? Well, sure. What is the, the reason for the conflict? I ask you to circle three words. What were they? On my account. On my account. Well, that brings us to lesson number 10. We learn that spiritual warfare is all about Jesus and the gospel. You see, it's all about the name of Jesus. You know, in our country today, it's the same. You can pretty much go anywhere. You can talk about church. You can talk about religion. You can talk about all kinds of stuff. But when you address the name of Jesus, sparks begin to fly. But see, it's always about the name of Jesus. Why is it about the name of Jesus? Because of Acts 4.12 Salvation is found in no other, for there is no other name under heaven by where men can be saved. That's the reason. Now, I want you to keep your finger right there, and I want you to turn back to the book of Acts 
chapter 5. And I'll go there with you. And I want us to go through a story, true story. Remember, Jesus said, you're going to be flogged. It's always going to be about me. Let's move ahead just a a number of months, maybe a a couple years. And we'll begin in chapter 5. And think what Jesus just said. Here's what you can expect when you go out. You can expect that the battle is going to be about me. You can expect that there will be persecution, there will be opposition, and it's going to be widespread. Let's begin in Acts chapter 5, and I'm going to skip through the verses here quickly so we can finish. Let's look at verse 12. Now the apostles. Now who are the apostles? These are the people who are getting the lesson about a year, year and a half, two years from Jesus. They had the lesson. Here they are operating. Jesus is already back in heaven. Now the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And then in verse 15 and 16, it says, the power of God was so powerful that Peter would walk down the, the streets and people getting in his shadow would be healed. Well, why would anybody be against that? Well, take a look at verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles, put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. Well, at daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they'd been told, and began to teach the people. By the way, what do you think they began to teach the people? What name did they mention? The name of Jesus. Now, the next few verses just tell us that basically what happened is this uh, Sanhedrin got together the next morning. They said, okay, go get these apostles that are in jail. Bring them to us, and we're going to see what we can do here. Well, they go to get them, and the guards come back and say, "Uh, the guys that you put in jail, they're not there. What do you mean they're not there? Well, the doors are locked. We don't know what happened to them. Well, where are they? Here comes another guy Well, the guys you're looking for, you know, you arrested them on the street yesterday, you put them in jail, you know where they are? They're in the streets again. So they go and they bring them back. God has a great sense of humor, doesn't he? I love it. They go and they bring them back. And as they come back, notice some things happen. Um, Look at verse 27. Having brought the apostles, they take them from the street and bring them back. They made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. Notice what he says. We gave you strict orders not to teach... Hello? In what name? His name. We told you, you can do what you want. Quit that name of Jesus. Because, he says, look at this. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Now, what goes on is, they said to him, don't teach anymore. And a lot of give and take. Peter goes, I don't care what you say. We're, we're going to obey God. We're not going to obey you. And, So we're going to submit to God, not to you. And then as they move on, they're going, well, what can we do to these guys? And a wise man named Gamaliel, a Pharisee, gets up and he says, hey, guys, you can't kill them. They're too popular in town. We'll have a riot. And number two, he says, if this thing is of God, you're not going to stop it. And the guys go, well, I guess you're right. What's the wise thing we can do? If we can't kill them, what can we do to these guys? Well, skip on down to verse 40. His speech persuaded them, and they called the apostles in and had them, hello, do you believe when 
when the apostles were beaten, flogged? Do you believe they remember what Jesus taught them a few months before? Can you meet him going and go like, Pete's going, what was that all about? I mean, we got, what in the world was that all about? Nobody ever told us to expect this. No, they were told to expect this. It would happen to them. Do Christians get flogged today in our world? Not too much in the States. In the world? Absolutely. Last year when I was in India, I was teaching on a Sunday morning to like 500 seminary students. About 10 minutes away, six of those students were beaten almost to death for the name of Jesus. You see, we're isolated here. I mean, about the most difficult thing we run into is I can't find a parking place. Or someone makes fun of us. Well, yes, they were beaten. Now, when you're beaten and you know to expect it, it goes along with the territory. How do we respond? Well, then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They ordered them not to speak in the, the name of Jesus. That's the focus. Look at verse 41. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin. <laughs> it's terrible. Is that how they left? They left the Sanhedrin doing what? Now, you can't do that unless you're filled with God. Well, Jesus said, when we're beaten, we have to rejoice. Okay, it's time to rejoice. Let's rejoice. No, you can't do that. You've got to be filled with God. They left. They left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they've been, watch, counted worthy of suffering and disgrace for the... It's all about Jesus. It's not about Calvary Chapel. It's about Jesus. It's not about God. It's about the name of Jesus. Then look what happens. And day after day in the temple courts, and from, from where? From house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news. What is the good news? Jesus is the Christ. So they went day to day in the temple courts, and from where? From house to house, house to house, house to house, house to house. Bomber, will you quit it? Will you? No. Because we're supposed to be like them. That's what happens. You need to be in a small group. Men's, women's, like I told you. Get into a home group. That's where you grow. That's where you step up on the ladder and you mature. Well, I'm just going to do it by myself. No, you won't. No, you will not. Well, I've been doing it for many years. Yeah, and that's exactly why you're still a carnal Christian. We need to learn. We need to submit to God's plan. So, what does that bring us? It brings us lesson number 11. We learn that opposition brings opportunity. That's one of the incredible rewards. You see, they mention the name of Jesus. They stand for him. What does God do? Gives them a miracle, gets them out of the prison. Yes, they do get flogged. But they realize they're battling for the souls of men. And so whenever there is opposition, good things are going to happen. Let me just share with you. You say, Pastor Mark, I, I don't ever have any opposition in my life. You better look at your life. Do you ever share the gospel? Well, no, it's a very private thing. Oh, you're going to see later. Oh, it is not a private thing. They went to the streets. 
and shared the good news. No, we're not pushing it down people's throats. But when there was a door that was opened, that opposition, even though there was opposition, it brought incredible opportunity. Now, back to Matthew, where you had your finger. Chapter 10, look at verse 19. Now, should I worry about when that opposition comes? How am I going to react? No, I don't worry. Look at it. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. You see, this shows us it was after Pentecost. Because the Spirit came in them and upon them. If you're a Christian this morning, you have God living in you. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. He obviously speaks to us through His Word. But when I'm put in a situation where I'm having difficulty or opposition or whatever, God will give me the words to say. Now, some people have taken that verse, some, some pastors, and maybe you came from a church like that, and they'll say, well, I don't have to worry about what to say when I get up to speak in the Sunday morning service. God will just give me something to say. Well, that's foolish. That's not what it's talking about at all. You see, the Bible tells us to study to show yourself approved. So, like for this teaching, about 22, 24 hours for me. So that I can present it and allow the Spirit to make it real to your heart. Now, does that mean that it's, I'm a robot up here? No. Because as I'm speaking, God's directing me. I don't know what your need is this morning. I don't know where to put the emphasis on the syllable, but he does. And as I speak it, he goes right to your heart. That's why it's a little different. Same for you when you're witnessing and sharing. You don't go, I don't know what to say. No, study, know some basic things. Isn't it amazing when you meet somebody, maybe your devotion that morning uses scripture, and you go to meet somebody, and God just gives you that scripture and pours out of your heart. And the other people go, Wow, really? Spiritual. And you go, man, if it wasn't for this morning, I wouldn't have known what in the world to even say to that person. God's so good, isn't he? So understand, we don't have to worry because God's Spirit lives in us. He's the teacher. Now these next verses take another jump. We have the jump where the disciples are. We learned most of that last week and this little first mission the apostles are going to go out. Then we have this jump to Acts, the beginning of the church until 2006 right now, until the end of time. This next jump is future. This next jump that we're going to see, Matthew's a Jew. He's writing to the Jewish people. This next jump is actually going to be, well, these speak about another conflict, but a conflict like you and I have never seen and God willing will never see. You see, after the Bible tells us that there's coming a day called the rapture, when God is going to appear in the sky and all Christians alive are going to be raptured, snapped up, caught up into heaven, that opens the door for someone called the Antichrist to step in and to begin to take over this world. Well, as he does that, the Jews think, this is the Christ. He goes to Jerusalem, he sets up. Well, it's not the Christ. Somewhere in the middle of that period of time, they realize this is not the Christ. God, in His, in His grace, brings an incredible witness, and millions of Jewish people become believers. Become believers in Jesus. Now, what do you think the Antichrist is going to think of Jews who believe in the Christ? Do you think there's a battle coming? 
And what is the battle going to be on? The name of Jesus. And so, literally, all hell is going to break loose. And they're going to have to go through incredible persecution, the Jewish people, because they have now chosen Jesus Christ as their Savior. Well, when they do it, what will it be like in those days? Here's what to expect. By the way, let me just say it kindly to you. You say, I don't believe in any of that jazz. There's no way when you're dead, you're dead and you're gone. By the way, I believe the churches will be jammed. Why? Because there's going to be billions of people missing from the world. In an instant. And they're going to go, whoa, whoa, I think Balmer... Palmer said something like this. Why? Because the truth has happened. Now here's the issue. What's it going to be like for you? You're going to have the same opposition that the Jews do. If you go, man, I didn't accept the Lord there. I'm going to accept Him now. Here's what's going to happen. You will probably be martyred for Jesus Christ. Physically killed for Jesus Christ. What? See, if you can't stand for Him now when you're not going to be killed for him, how do you think you'll stand for him then? I'm telling you truth this morning. So, when I read this about the Jews, listen up. Well, what would it be like? Look at verse 21. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because, hello, of Who? Of Jesus. You see, you mean children will give their... The children will say, my dad's a believer. Kill him. Yes. You can't imagine that, can we? All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, this could speak of Petra to the Jews, flee to another. In other words, you're not going to just stand and well, kill me. We'll try to hide. But without the mark of the beast, you can't buy food. You can't buy anything. This is going to be very, very difficult to survive. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before second coming, before the Son of Man comes. So, lesson number 12. We learn that a disciple endures. He has to go the distance. In other words, I've talked about where Jesus was here before he goes to heaven. Then I've talked about when Jesus goes to heaven, we have this period of time that we're in right now, 2,000 years plus in the New Testament church. Now I'm talking about after the church is gone. We don't know when that will be. Could be next week. Could be five years. Could be 20. I have no idea when it is. And, and persecution and, and opposition still are there. Well, that's because there's always going to be opposition. Since the Garden of Eden, when the battle began, it doesn't end until after, a thousand years after the tribulation. It doesn't end. There's always warfare. So I have to endure If I'm on the earth, I'm always in this battle. So these warnings, I look ahead to the return of Christ, to the end of this age. Jesus gives encouragement, okay? If you're alive, and I believe the Jews will go back in this part of the Bible and read it and go, Jesus knew this was coming. We have to endure. We have to stand firm, even if it causes our life. We have to stay firm. We have to believe in Jesus Christ, even if at this point, even if at this point it costs me my life. And of course, that gives us an affirmation that Jesus is going to take care of his people and the nation of Israel. Now, for you and I, what about endurance today? Here's something you must write. While we are alive, spiritual warfare 
never ends for a disciple. Satan is out to destroy your life every single day. Doesn't matter how high you are on the ladder, it never ends. Now, I'm not fearful, but I have to expect it. He's out to kill and to steal and destroy. And one of his greatest ways that he does that, it's a D word that he carries in his armor of tools. It's called discouragement. Many of us get discouraged and Satan just pounds all on us. Well, Jesus said, don't get discouraged. Put your hope in God. So if you're a Christian and you're on this ladder of life, when will, when will persecution and and temptation and Satan trying to destroy me and get me off. When will that end? It'll never end. It won't end till you die. Don't forget about the rapture. Forget about it. It will not end till you die. And what is one of the major areas that Satan wants to destroy our lives? Marriage. Marriage. Do you understand today? God's plan is to build your marriage, strengthen it, protect the family. Satan's plan is to undermine it, weaken it, and destroy the family. Satan is at work in every one of our marriages. This year, Lynn and I will have been married at, toward the end of the year, 40 years. You know, back at the year 29, on our 29th anniversary, God came to me and he said, You got it made, don't have to worry about your marriage anymore, just let it slide, you're cool. You believe that? No, I... Here's something I want you to write. If you're married today, please write this down. Expect to fight for your marriage and family forever. Never stops. Never. You say, Pastor Mark, I don't have an affairs. We're doing just fine. Our marriage is very healthy. Let me ask you one question. Are you still best friends? Well, now, kind of past that stage, that was many years ago, we just kind of do our own thing, just live in our house and got two strangers in the night, and, but we're together. That's not what I ask you. You see, love has three aspects, eros, phileo, and that agape. Some of you, the eros is gone. You make love once a year. What's up with that? The phileo, friendship? No, well, I'm a Christian, we won't, oh, you know, God hates divorce, so we're not going to get divorced. Well, then tell me how it happens in the church, the same exact amount that happens in the world. And tell me how in the world a person who can be married 40 years gets a divorce. That are Christians. It's because they don't fight for their marriage. I love Linda going with me on trips. Because we're best friends. Do we have a perfect marriage? No. We have to fight for it. All the time. All the time. But I like, you know, going to India is tough for a lady. But she goes with me because we're friends. Now you pray for us. We're going to be 28 hours in a plane. I'm putting her in the back row and I'm on the front row so we don't fight. How do you view opposition? Your enjoyment of your Christian walk and your ability to be used by God are dependent on a proper view of opposition. Today, Pastor Mark shared some important lessons we need to learn as disciples of Christ. We need to view opposition as opportunities to share the gospel. And a true disciple of Christ endures. He goes the distance. Do you have what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Well, there are more lessons which a disciple of Jesus Christ must learn. Are you ready to learn to follow Christ in a deeper, more fulfilling way? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark continues with the lessons we need to learn as disciples. He shares with us that we need to learn to fear God and not man. We need to tell all people what to expect, and God has rewards for those who serve Him well. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.